0: Wisdom from a young age. In fact, it was Sue Gayen, our very own Sue Gayen, who led uh, a Gifts of the Spirit workshop when I was 14 years old. And as we went around the, the group, and people said what they think their gifts of the Spirit might be. And someone said, oh, I'm very good at hosting people, so maybe it's hospitality. And someone said, oh, I can sing, so maybe it's good to worship. And I said, Wisdom. <laughs> Gift of wisdom. Um, but on a serious note, there is uh, the God-given gift of wisdom that looks very different to the world, uh, and it is underused in our church. There is a whole host of godly wisdom in this room, um, and we need to start employing it and using it. Um, goodness knows Tim needs it as well. So to so, uh, so this evening, I'm going to carry on from where Simon left us last week. We looked at Psalm 51, uh, and I'm going to delve into Psalm 84 and uh, the themes that God brings out in that psalm of awakening and what a life truly wide awake looks like, a life wide awake to God's home, God's family, and a life of service in response. Um, We need to remember before we delve in that what we're looking at this evening is the menu that points to the meal. I love that Sandy Miller quote the menu that points to the meal. We need to not just kind of read it and let it gloss over, let it flow over and wash over us. We need to actually put this into practice. We need to indulge in it, to really enjoy it and make it actual reality in our lives. So let's remember that we're not just reading and hearing. This is something that we need to indulge in and really allow it to feed us as well and to change us. Um, let me pray before I, I read to us. Lord, thank you that you love us, that we're your sons and your daughters, that you've made us part of your home, you've made us part of your family. There's nothing we can do to change that. Lord, we love you. We love knowing that you're looking upon us this evening, that you're so pleased with us. Father, help me to remember now as as I share that I don't need anyone's recognition, I don't need anyone to be impressed. I just need you, Father. Amen. Right, let's look at Psalm 84 then. That is on, this is quite tricky, 569. Good work, Mrs. Rev. So let's turn there, 569. Is everyone with me? Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Bacca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools, and they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. For better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God and dwell in the tents of the wicked, for the Lord God is a sun and shield, the Lord bestows favor and honor, and no good thing does He withhold from those whose way of life is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed are those who trust in you. So that's our menu this evening. That's our menu that we're going to be eating from. And I think there are a number of themes, starting with the idea of awakening and spiritual awakening and uh, often i feel like the summer months can be a bit of a kind of either one of two things happens to me in the summer either it becomes a bit of a summer doldrums where the rhythm of life is broken and i switch off and i go onto to autopilot and things i just kind of go along with and it's just kind of oh will make it through to my next holiday just keep going just just kind of go with it just go with the flow switch on to autopilot and we'll make it there or the other i go away Go look along to something like Focus. If any of you were at Focus, I really hope that you had an experience of being spiritually awoken and refreshed. But I wonder if God's challenge to us this evening, and please give me grace to challenge us, challenge all of us. Are we overdue for a spiritual awakening? Are we overdue to be reminded of what God's home and his kingdom looks like and the role that we have to play in it, what our response should be? Are we overdue a realization of where we have gone on autopilot? Have we become spiritually sleepy and drowsy? Because I, for one, do not want to look back at the end of the summer, or indeed the end of a number of years, and realize that I slept through that. I slept through what God was awakening me to, what God had in store for me, the opportunities that were everywhere around me, and I slept through in a kind of drowsy haze. I do not want to look back with that attitude towards my summer months or the next few years so we need to wake up today let me turn here moreover as a church have we grown spiritually sleepy where are we as a community slightly drowsy at the moment can we be really honest with ourselves this evening Are we awake to the needs of the community around us? Uh, The phrase that came to mind when I was preparing was, the sleepy cannot wake the sleeping. And even if they did, how confusing would that be? The sleeping, awoken by someone sleepy or drowsy, it wouldn't even look very attractive, would it? It wouldn't look like a great opportunity. In fact, I'd rather stay asleep, thank you. The sleepy cannot wake the sleeping. Where have we confused full lives and that phrase jesus came to give us life and life to the full for lives that should be wide awake a full life often makes me think oh goodness i need to go and fit as many things into my calendar and my diary as possible i need to go travelling i need to start taking up bungee jumping or learn french again like, it makes me wonder where is my life slightly empty but a life wide awake that makes me realize actually god is wanting me to live with eyes wide open to everything that he is already in place for me right now, not in the future, not, not then, but now. And the roots of this lie in humility. Owen um, McManus, in his book Wide Awake, which I'm going to read to us now, I think outlines beautifully what a life wide awake looks like. And this is a phrase that I'd like us to remember and touch upon and come back to you. Very few of us are meant for a life of notoriety, yet all of us, all of us here, are meant for a life of significance. We should never confuse fame with greatness. The former is about what you do for yourself. The latter is about what you do for others. It is in this way that all of us have heroic lives to lead. And when we live wide awake, the world begins to reflect the kind of place in which God intended us to live. Jesus came to bring out the best in us. And when this happens, we should expect that everything else will change for the better. And in our community, are we living expectantly that we will start seeing real change? Are we living with expectation that around us here in Parsons Green, we will see the lost come home? We will see uh, people living with addictions freed from them, people who are lonely comforted. Are we expecting to see people brought in here to realize the love of God for them? Are we expecting to see change? And often I feel that our performance management culture in London, where we just grab every single headline that we can in our work, we're taught, take everything that you can, make sure that you put the best case forward to look as impressive as possible. Our performance management culture at work, and in this city, which just thrives and longs for success, tells us, take everything you can get, even if you can't take the credit for yourself. And I wonder if that attitude and that striving for success has somewhat slipped into our church attitude as well. That we're a church that seeks headlines over humility, that operates out of fear of anonymity rather than the liberation of living for an audience of one. Pat, our, our old curate, he put something great on, um, on Facebook the other day where he talks about photobombing Jesus. That's quite, quite, quite a funny phrase. You're allowed to laugh at that. <laughs> photobombing Jesus. Do we take credit for what Jesus is due, what Jesus is owed? Where are we seeking headlines in our church over the humility? And where are we fearing anonymity over the liberation of an audience of one? I love that Jay John talk, living for an audience of one. <laughs> Nailed that. And is there a longing in your heart to reflect what Owen McManus was talking about, to live a life of notoriety instead of a life of significance? We need to recognize that the reality is, that God's reality is, so much better than you could dream of, hope for, or even expect. The reality of a life wide awake to God's call for us is better than you could have dreamed of. So we need to wake up and recognize that better is one day in God's kingdom than thousands elsewhere. I love the message version uh, of that verse which says, better is one day in the house of the Lord than thousands spent on Greek island beaches. How apt is that for this time of the year? Better is one day in the house of the Lord than thousands spent on Greek island beaches. I get so jealous when I see people putting up Instagram posts of of, any old island. doesn't matter, somewhere hot. (laughs) Better is one day in God's house than thousands spent anywhere you can imagine on this earth. And our heart should respond with, and this is the key, our heart should respond with, I would rather be a doorkeeper or a gatekeeper in the house of my Lord, than be an honored guest anywhere else. Message version says, I would rather scrub floors than anywhere else, be honored anywhere else. So let's look um, into the the meat of the passage. Psalm 84 is uh, an amazing psalm of uh, a people, the sons of Korah, so it's not like uh, what we looked at last week where it was a poem that David had written in response to God. This is a song uh, that was written that people would sing on their way to Jerusalem. When they're pilgrimaging to Jerusalem, which they would do on an annual basis if they could afford it, they would pilgrimage and they would go through this place called the Valley of Baca on their way to Jerusalem and they would sing this song. And it's a song for the sons of Korah and The sons of Korah did not have a history uh, that they could be proud of. It was a very, very shady past. They were a people group who had fled battle in cowardice, fled from the fight, and left God's people to be slaughtered. They were a people who rose up in in rebellion against God. And they frankly knew that they deserved much worse than than they got. They were lucky to be there at all. So this is a song, actually, in honour of what God has done for a people who deserved God's wrath, and yet were not only given a place in His home, but a role to play as well. The sons of Korah uh, were effectively the Old Testament bouncers. They were the people who would uh, control who could come in and out of the court and the temple of God. No one likes a bouncer. No one likes bouncers. Anyone got a friend who's a bouncer? No, no one likes bouncers. (laughs) Oh, what? (laughs) That was a gamble. They were underpaid, poorly recognized, and had little glamour to their roles. But they really loved God. They knew his mercy. And that's why in verse 2 they can sing, my soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And the message says, uh, I couldn't have dreamed of a place like this. My heart, soul, my soul faints and yearns for a place like this. It is better than they could have even dreamed of. It was better than they knew was possible. And they recognized that they were the least and the last that should be considered a place in this home, a place in this court, a place in God's family. That's why in verse 3 they say, Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. The sparrows and swallows, which were considered the kind of smallest creatures within God's creation, even they have a place in God's home and in his temple. And they recognized we are the least, we are the smallest in God's creation. We are deserving of God's wrath. And yet even us, he has found a place for. Even us who were deserving of his wrath, deserving of punishment, have been given a place in his kingdom and in his home. Does that sound familiar? Do you realize that's about you? It's about us? It's not just a song for the sons and daughters of Korah. That's our story as well. We were sons and daughters of God who lived in rebellion against him, not knowing his ways. We were deserving of much worse than we got. And yet, even us, we've been given a place in his home. We've been given a place in his family. This is not just for the sons and daughters of Korah. This is for us too. This is Jesus' story for us. And we should respond in the same way as they do in verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. And they would go through this place, the Valley of Baca, this journey which would have been really treacherous in Old Testament times. This journey through Baca would have been uh, very unlikely that you would have got water, very unlikely that you would have found any supplies It was a real dangerous journey to get from there to Jerusalem. And yet, this journey, which was meant to be one of fear and danger, is turned into one of joy and plenty. They go from strength to strength. The rains come, the pools fill, and they know that each of them will appear before God in Zion. Look at verse 7. Till each appears before God in Zion. Goodness, they realized lucky they were to be there and that's why in verse 10 look at it with me they can say better is one day in your courts God than thousands elsewhere better than thousands on Greek island beaches all of us are required are called to lives of significance remember that past that quote from Owen McManus not all of us are called to lives of notoriety of fame of headlines but all of us are called to lives of significance and that's why they can respond with i would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my god than dwell in the tents of the wicked i would rather scrub floors in my father's home than anywhere else now let's stop and just Check ourselves, check our hearts here. Can we say that about ourselves? Seriously, don't don't think of it like figuratively. Don't think of it as oh um oh that's that's a really nice heart posture. Literally, would you rather scrub floors in the house of God, knowing you were in his family, than be honored anywhere else? Can you say that honestly about ourselves? Don't think of it figuratively, literally. Would you rather? Great game. Would you rather be poorly paid, poorly recognized, with little glamour to your life, and know that you were part of God's plan and part of his family than be honoured anywhere else? We need to check our hearts and realise where we've grown sleepy to that. Um, This is something that's quite close to Uh, To my heart, Um, it's an experience that uh, God has been teaching to me for a number of years. Uh, As a 23-year-old, I was kind of thrust into the limelight. Uh, And a kind of opportunity for headlines and to have the microphone in my hand. Finally got there. That That was an opportunity for me. And God totally broke in me that I was doing it out of, a longing for recognition. That the greatest reward that I could perceive was man's recognition. It was not the knowledge and the liberation that I, was, uh, I could do it for an audience of one, knowing that only God would recognize. And so it's been a, a real journey for me to step away from that and, and, and recognize that actually I need to live and operate. Not out of fear of anonymity, but liberated, knowing that if only God saw the things that I do and the good works, that that would be a life well spent. It was something that came through to me and hit me afresh recently. Megan and I were at um, Big Church Day Out, which is a great festival. It's awesome. It's like, it's, it's a Christian festival. Hillsong are there. They're doing their thing. They're jumping around. Tim Hughes has even got his jam on. And there's lights on, there's smoke machines, it's all kicking off on the stage. And yet, I was kind of hidden away from sight. And all I could do was sweep out the back of a cafe, away from anyone's sight. And it was a real moment where God said to me, would you rather, would you rather be a doorkeeper? Would you rather be a floor scrubber in the house of your God? Just knowing that you were in touching distance of the home and the presence of God, then be honored on the stage with the microphone in your hand. So it's been um, a real journey for me of of, uh, wanting to live in liberation, uh, of uh, living for an audience of one, but Jesus raises the bar even higher. Turn with me, if you can, to, to Matthew 6. That's on page 917. Jesus says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their full reward. But when you give to the needy, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Do you see the the slight difference there? Jesus raising the bar even higher. Not only don't let man see your good deeds and long for that recognition. Don't even let yourself realize what you're doing. And it's very interesting there, the link between who you're looking for, who your audience is, and the reward that you will get. Because Jesus says, if you're you're looking for the recognition of mankind, you will not receive a reward from your Father in heaven. But you will get it from man. And He says, if you're looking for a reward in yourself, and our modern day spirituality is so in tune to this that we're looking for that sense of self-satisfaction, of self-fulfillment. Spirituality cries out that you're the number one priority here. And if that's your motivation, if that's our motivation to be self-fulfilled, and that's the reason I go and do night shelter, that's the reason I come and help out in the recovery course, if that's the reason that I go out and do Fair on the Green, to go and speak to to people and make a fool of myself, if that's the reason is to get that warm glow inside yourself, that is all you will receive. That is your reward. Your Father in heaven will not recognize it. But if your recognition, if your audience is for him and him alone, you will receive your reward in full. And who knows, all those other things may be given to you. The recognition of mankind That warm sense of self-fulfillment. Who knows? Maybe that will be given to you. But it should be purely incidental. Not the genesis. Thank you. For they have received their reward in full. So what is a heart that grabs God's attention? What is a heart that he cannot turn away from? And the key was in Simon's psalm. Last week, Psalm 51, verse 17 says, The Lord will never turn away a broken and contrite spirit. Those who know that they need God, that they need to be part of his home and his family, he will never turn away that heart. That is like honey to a bee for him. His gaze cannot be torn away from that heart that knows it is in need of God and seeks to serve him in response that seeks to see the hungry in Parsons Green fed that seeks to serve the needs of those around us within our church and outside and God's promise to us is right at the end of this psalm for the Lord God is a sun and shield verse 11, the Lord bestows favour and honour here it is remember this, no good thing will he withhold from you from those whose way of life is blameless. No good thing will he withhold from us here now for those of us whose walk is blameless or as the message says, who walk uprightly. So we need to live lives from here out that are filled with his goodness, that are revived and refreshed, wide awake to the role that we have to play and how needy we are for him. And walk uprightly in his kingdom. Because humility is not the process. It is the entire point. That is how his kingdom operates. That is how his kingdom works. We seek humility, not headlines. And we live in the liberation of an audience of one, rather than the fear of anonymity. That's a difficult sentence. So there are are three kind of categories that I think uh, we can respond in. I'd love you to think um, which of these you might fall into. You might not fall into any, but we're gonna sing anyway after this. But I'd love you to think whether this is you. Do you need to be awoken? Do you need to be awoken? Is there an element where you're living a life on autopilot, going with the flow, just becoming part of this culture in London, which tells you, grab the headline, Take the applaud, that performance management culture. Do we need to be awoken to where we've perhaps switched onto autopilot and gone off track, gone away from what God has called us to? That's the first group who need people who recognize they need awakening. The second is for those um, who recognize a need to reprioritize the audience, that we live for recognition of others rather than the audience of one, that we perhaps fear anonymity. I love what Tim was preaching about the other day. uh, Scrubbing away in the the kitchen, scrubbing dishes. There was no one there to see it. How gutting. The first time he put his hands in the sink, there was no one to see it. (laughs) Are (laughs) (laughs) Are you fearing anonymity? Is it holding us back from saying, as uh, Simon Gilbo, a hero of mine, says, I will go anywhere, I will do anything, as long as you make it clear. That's the second group, those fearing anonymity, looking to reprioritize their audience. And the third group is those who feel stirred and feel called to wake up a sleeping church or a drowsy church to wake up the world around us. Um, a church, people who feel called to uh, wake us up to the needs of the community here in Parsons Green. We live. Uh, it, we can be very easily mistaken to think that we live in a very affluent area or this church is based in a very affluent area. People here are hungry and they need us. Do you feel stirred to wake up a sleeping church, to live a life wide awake that will serve the others, others in our community around us? To raise the expectation, as Owen McManus um, says. Um, so we're going we're to sing um, that great Matt Redman song in response. Um, but let me pray for us before we respond. And think about perhaps where we fall into one of those categories.